welcome to the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we are looking at Elegy, Season 4, Episode 22. The original air date was May 4th, 1997. The action primarily takes place in Washington, D.C., and the average IMDb user score has come from 7.8 to 8.0 out of 10. For a brief synopsis, there's a serial killer murdering young, blonde, married women in the Washington, D.C. area. And when a bowling alley owner sees the ghost of one of these in the bowling alley while she was lying out dead on the streets outside, Mulder and Scully get involved. Mulder somehow found out about the man's sworn statement, which is being understandably ignored by local investigators. Now, this investigation leads to Harry Scudder, a man who lives in a local mental institution, but who also works in the bowling alley. And when Mulder suspects that only dying people can see these ghosts, and then Scully sees one, Scully takes herself temporarily off the case. She's just not sure how to handle that, especially the implications about how it's only dying people that see them. She does eventually get involved in the case again, and reveals her experience to Mulder, and is ultimately instrumental in proving that Harry isn't the killer, but rather his deranged nurse is. This is the sixth of 24 episodes to be written by John Scheiben, and it's the final episode to be directed by Jim Charleston who directed four episodes in total. His previous three episodes were Avatar, Teleco, and Synchrony. Now, the guest cast includes Christine Willis. This is her third of four appearances on The X-Files. She's previously appeared in Irresistible and The Calisari, and she will come back again in episodes that we've actually already discussed, Founder's Mutation, from the six-episode event series, or season 10. Other guest stars include Stephen M. Porter as Harry, He's also known as Bulge in Best in Show, as Frank Moth in Heart of Dixie, and as one of the refs in Million Dollar Baby. He's got 67 credits to his name, although a lot of them seem to be in smaller productions. And looking at the ones that we do have here, he does seem to be doing traveling, because there's a lot of them that are filmed in both L.A. and in Vancouver. This is his only appearance on The X-Files. Now, Alex Bruhansky appears in his second and final X-Files appearance as Angelo Pintero. So he's the owner of the bowling alley in this episode. We previously saw him as Dr. Bugger in War of the Coprophages back in Season 3. He's got a number of credits to his name. The IMDb says he's best known for Look Who's Talking, Bird on a Wire, Scary Movie 4, and The Possession. His most recent credit is 2016. We've got Sidney Lassick, who played Cheswick in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and plays a pretty similar role here as Chuck Forsh. Unfortunately, he passed away at age 80 in 2003, so this is one of the last of his 86 credits. He also appeared in the original Carrie, in Alligator, and in Man on the Moon. Nancy Fish played Nurse Ennis, who was the real killer in this. She's also known for The Mask, General Hospital, Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang, and Death Becomes Her. This is her only X-Files appearance, although she had previously appeared with David Duchovny, in Beethoven. So those are the most notable stars. As far as the ongoing plot is concerned, this is one of the first times that Scully is able to admit to herself that she's seen something science can't explain. So that's going to be a big step going forward, even though it doesn't happen often and isn't always remembered. It is something that she was well aware of. As far as the rest of the mythology, it doesn't establish a whole lot, and we are coming close to the end of season four, which is interesting, because at this point, the script for the movie had been written. So the first movie, Fight the Future, would be released between seasons five and six, 
but it was actually filmed in the break between seasons four and five. So when we start our coverage of season five in a few weeks, we'll see that it's a shorter season than we're used to. Up to this point, they've all been 24 or 25 episodes each. Season five cuts that down to 20, just because of the shooting schedule needed to get that movie done. But of course, there'll be more on that later. Now, as far as the science goes, there really is no science behind seeing apparitions of dead people moments after they've died, nor really any connection between people who are dying. And the question is, well, how close to death do you have to be? Right? What would be considered a premature death? Because the people who see the ghosts here are the guy who has a heart attack by the end of the episode, Harry who is off his meds because Nurse Innes convinced him they were poisoned so she could steal them, and Scully who's got her cancer. But those are just the rates at which we are dying. People aren't in good shape. I mean, the heart attack especially is something that is in a serious situation, but you know, it's not like intervention is impossible. There's no guarantee that something's going to be happening now. There's a lot that could be going on with them. So what's really happening here is somehow there's some sort of connection between a premature death, still gradual, but somehow premature, not at what we consider to be an acceptable or normal age, right? So even being able to pick out who could see these victims doesn't have a strong scientific basis. Because you could look at it as, well, we're all aging, we're all getting closer to death. The question is, what point in the life cycle are we at? Is it postpubescent? Well, it could be anyone. Is it postmenopausal? Then Scully doesn't apply. It just doesn't have a scientific definition. It's purely an artistic definition. For the emotional drama of the story, it works because it does have that implication with Scully and her reaction to seeing this corpse, the spirit. But as far as science goes, unfortunately, there's just not much to this episode aside from the side effects of not taking the medication that's prescribed to you or taking medication that's been prescribed to somebody else. Yeah, it's perfectly reasonable to expect that to have negative impacts on both people involved, in this case, Harry and his nurse. Now, that's all we have to say about this episode. And instead of two weeks before the next one, we are going to have a special episode in one week's time. Because as we said, anytime there are significant references to the X-Files and other shows, we will be looking at them, just as we've already looked at Reboot and Star Trek Deep Space Nine and discussed Weird Science, but couldn't go into detail because I don't have access to the episode. But coming up next week, we're going to be discussing a Third Rock from the Sun episode titled Dick and the Single Girl. So Dick and the Single Girl is Season 2, Episode 24 of Third Rock from the Sun. That series is also readily available on DVD in some actually rather discounted complete series packages that I wish were out before I invested season by season. So that's what we'll be covering in a special one-shot next week. Come back the week after for our look at Demons, which is Season 4, Episode 23, before we look at Gethsemane, the Season 4 finale, two weeks after that. In the meantime, please feel free to rate this and any of the shows you listen to on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever podcatcher you use. It really does help the shows get noticed. Share links with friends who you think may be interested. And finally, thank you for listening.